1: Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today we're going to talk about video marketing strategies. Joining us is Chris Metter, who is the VP of Marketing at Wistia, which is a video marketing firm that specializes in helping SMBs build brand trust and authenticity, particularly in the remote hybrid world. He's also the brains behind the newly launched Show Business video series and certification, which helps marketers understand how to craft a video strategy and create brand connections. And today, Chris and I are going to talk about leveraging video to build brand trust and authority. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Chris Metter, VP of Marketing at Wistia. Chris, welcome to the Martech Podcast.
2: Hey, thanks for having me.
1: Excited to have you here. Excited to have anybody on the show whose last name rhymes with Eddie Vetter. Chris Metter, what a pleasure.
2: That is a better rhyme than I come up with. I normally come up with cheddar, which is awkward because I'm lactose intolerant.
1: How do you feel about listening to Pearl Jam?
2: I feel pretty good about it. All right. I lived in Seattle for two years, so I have a learned affinity to Pearl Jam.
1: You're practically Eddie Vedder's first cousin in that case.
2: Well, I like to consider ourselves more like brothers, but we're not blood related. But like, we just don't talk about it a lot.
1: Just really close friends. You're also an expert in video marketing, something that we should... Chat about a little. As the VP of marketing, first off, thank you for coming on the show. You're also the second person that we've had from Wistia in the three years we've been doing the Martech podcast. We had your CEO on the show, excited to learn a little bit more about the company. And also, we had a great conversation with Chris back in the day. Let's start off from the top down. Video marketing has changed a ton over the last few years. Used to be you needed an explainer video on your homepage. Now all of a sudden the social media networks pretty much require video to improve your performance. Talk to me about the current state of video marketing as it exists today.
2: How it exists today is we need to refigure it out. A lot of what we've been talking about in the last 10 months that I've been at Wistia, and they've been talking four months before that, is What is really going to be the impact of COVID on marketing, especially in a B2B MarTech standpoint? And I think the thing that's interesting, you know, we can talk about everything that's wrong with COVID, but that's not this podcast. But the things that become interesting and exciting is this Pandora box has opened and how we create relationships, how we create leads, how we nurture leads, how we talk about who we are, what our companies stand for, all that now lives first and foremost through digital video. And digital video was always an important part of marketing, but it's now your first handshake, it's your deal close, it's your understand what we do, understand who we are, like this is everything in the same way that many of our newest relationships we're creating is entirely through digital video might only be that way. So one of the things we did last year as a platform very much catering to primarily the largest portion of our advertisers are B2B marketers, really looking to better connect with their customers and build those relationships and drive down the funnel is we stopped and kind of looked at like, what is the state of video? What did video look like from our vantage last year? So what we did is we took all of the hours of watched, we have about 12.2 billion hours of video watched through our platform last year, which is about 21,000 years worth of video consumption. And it just was interesting and amazing to look at it because what you realize is marketers are very quickly making this pivot to becoming video first. Because we saw an increase, not just the amount of hours watched last year, but also in the length of videos watched, in the amount of tools that they added to it, whether it be gating or lead work around it. Like you just basically saw marketers realizing they need to use these platforms and using content they had to do it or creating net new content through creation tools. So it's just, it's exciting. It's exciting to see that start to happen and us realize we're in the beginning of really starting to figure out what this means and what does this mean for us as marketers.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I think of some of the changes that have happened over the year and we talk about the state of video. I mentioned first it was you need an explainer video, a way to get more fidelity onto your website. And then it was, and you know this, you worked at Facebook. All the advertising channels realized they were getting more engagement from the ads, so they wanted you to put video into your advertising. Yeah. And then COVID hits, and we've had this sort of fundamental shift in how we're able to interact with each other. And so to me, I think of the big landscape shift is there's synchronous and there's asynchronous video, right? You have video that you're capturing to distribute information. I create Loom videos when I'm doing my sales efforts to remind someone the things that we talk through basically here's how we're going to summarize the conversation we had but i'm basically creating a synchronous video i'm doing a live stream a, you know some sort of a video chat and then i'm following up with video so i could walk through and give screenshots instead of long emails that people don't watch when you think about the state of video and thinking about not only the pre-recorded, you could watch this on demand, but also the live entertainment type stuff. Have you seen a big shift in how people are using tools to combine the two?
2: First of all, I would say I highly recommend you try Soapbox. I know I shouldn't plug, but I'm going to plug anyway, which is obviously our async video tool.
1: Plug away. It's not a paid sponsorship.
2: Look, I mean, I think what is interesting, and I think there's a lot to unpack what you said, because there's a lot we're currently all unpacking. One of the things that I think COVID has changed as we think about the future is like getting a new view of what video creation looks like. Because if you go back two years ago, I think there was a concept that folks had in their head, which is video creation looks like X. It needs to have this much investment, this type of lighting, this setup, you know, XYZ needs to be put together. And I think the truth is, is that video creation, there are a lot of different bars for quality, depending on the use case, how you're implementing it. And I think also we as a society are more comfortable with video creation that is live to tape. I worked in television before I worked in tech, where there's not a lot of do-overs or edits, but that's okay because in the end, what the purpose is, is building that connection, which sometimes the gaff can do for you. So I just think the first and foremost, just the view of creation has changed. And I actually think that had to change because creation's always been the barrier for marketers to really adapt video.
1: That's always been my problem with video. Back in the day, I ran a startup called strumschool.com, and it was live on-demand guitar instruction. People weren't ready for live on-demand guitar instruction, so we pivoted it to a series of guitar videos that we were basically selling courses and packages for. And video can be very expensive to produce. It can be very time-consuming. It's just a lot of effort to mix sight, sound, and motion, right? And that's what video is really about. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi, who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. So talk to me about how the hurdles for creating video have changed. I think of video as being more expensive and harder to produce than audio. Hence, I produce a podcast. Do you agree or is video something that everybody's just like, hey, just shoot it on your iPhone and publish it and we're all good?
2: There's always going to be a hurdle you need to jump for video creation. That's just the truth. It's just more complicated. It's not just the sound. You have the sight and the motion that goes with it. Hence, me trying to figure out how to light my office so people can see me on the Zoom, which is the ongoing saga of my year so far. But I think that hurdle used to be really high. And I think especially for B2B marketers who video content creation may not be their forte, they looked at that and said, well, I can't jump that. So I'm not going to try. Like one day we'll figure that out down the road. And if I think about like one of the things of the last year is there's a higher tolerance, a larger spectrum. I don't know which analogy you want to go with, but in terms of what type of creation you need for what. So for example, in terms of a sales follow-up or a town hall or anything related to where you can go most live to tape and then share that out from asynchronous consumption, like the tolerance there is make sure it's lit well enough Make sure that your slides can be readable on a screen if you're going to do the dual projection. And that's all you need.
1: I think it's the YouTubeification that we're seeing, where people are just used to user-generated content as video. People are looking for content and information, and they're not looking for entertainment. And when they're getting the right type of content, the fidelity matters less. Now, when you're looking to watch your TV show at the end of the day, you want the highest possibly produced video, right? I'm looking for Netflix. I'm looking for, we just watched uh, For Mankind on Apple Plus. That show is
2: awesome. Great card, yeah.
1: But if that was shot with an iPhone, I'm pissed. But if you're going to tell me how to grow, you know, my vertical garden or how to plant my tomatoes and it's a handheld video on an iPhone, I don't care. I just want the information. So as we talk about moving that to a B2B setting, you know, a marketing application for it, How do you figure out how to build that trust and authority when you don't necessarily want to pay for the fidelity of premium video?
2: We're doing this work right now. And we, as a company, have always invested in video. We're a video marketing platform. So, of course, we've invested in video even before we understood what the return would be on it from a production standpoint. And I think one of the things that we've been looking a lot at is better understanding, okay, what's the customer journey and how is video going to drive that customer journey from top of the funnel down to purchase and usage? And as we look at that journey, we then go, okay, what's the role of video in each step of that journey? So on top of the funnel, it's about enticing, intriguing. I mean, that's where production quality matters because it is your first handshake with your customer. Versus as we go down the funnel, it's becoming, to your point, much more about functionally, tell me what I need to know. We still believe there's a level of quality you need to create towards because people need to be able to see you, need needs to be lit well, sound needs to be good. But getting to the information matters more than creating the higher production quality. And that's what we're looking through. And so we're seeing more and more as like you go down that funnel, get to the information. There's still a quality bar. I want to be clear here. But I think the tolerance that we have is very different.
1: I'll put it in terms of the MarTech podcast, because it's what's familiar to me. If I'm putting a video about the MarTech podcast on MarTechPod.com's homepage, I want that to have pretty videos and imagery and great cuts and great audio, because that's somebody's first introduction to what my products or services are about. That's right. When I am following up on a sales call, I can record a Loom video with my built-in PowerBook video camera with whatever's behind me in my office, as long as the person can hear me and I could do a screen share, you know, and if my hair is a little messy or if I've got a t-shirt on instead of a tuxedo, it's fine. What matters is I'm showing the effort to be responsive, to give them the information they need and I'm doing it in a timely fashion so it makes it seem like I'm doing the work and following up quickly. Like that matters more than, well... Did Ben spend time to really produce this video? So I agree with you that the top of the funnel video generally needs to be more produced than the bottom of the funnel video, which seems a little counterintuitive.
2: It does, but it's also where you want the least amount of friction. You want people to as quickly go down the funnel. And so often what you need is get them the information as quickly as possible. I also think one thing that's exciting with this switchover is... As a B2B marketer, often I would feel like, well, I have one bite of the video apple. I'm not going to get more resources. I'm not going to do this. So I need this one video, this 90 seconds to be 90 seconds of glory. It needs to do everything. It needs to slice, dice, Julian fries, tell you about my company, the product. And they got too big and they got too dense. And frankly, it made that video and that marketing just become muddled. And I think what we have an opportunity to think through now is like, well, what's the story you actually wanna tell at top of the funnel? What's that first handshake you want? Because maybe it's more about what you believe versus what you are doing because as you move them down the funnel, you can create those other videos that supplement and that take along the journey. And I just think we have the opportunity now to create more in what we create for it to be even, I don't wanna say it's not about higher quality, but more focused in what its job is supposed to do. One video doesn't have to do it all anymore. We can really think about how we break it apart because frankly, everything has to be video first.
1: I think that's great advice. You know, when we think about what video really is, sight, sound and motion, using the combination of those three things, you can get a lot of information across in a very short period of time. So that strategy of not trying to put everything in a long video, But piecing it together and giving people short bursts of information that they can quickly follow up in a sequence is a logical way to use video. And we're going to follow up on this by talking tomorrow with Chris about how to actually put together a video campaign. So that wraps up this episode of the Martech podcast. Thanks to Chris Metter, the VP of Marketing at Wistia, for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Chris and I are going to talk about implementing video campaigns in a remote work world. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Chris, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile on our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His company's handle is Wistia, W-I-S-T-I-A, or you can visit the company's website, which is wistia.com. Also, if you're interested in learning more about Chris and Wistia's new show called Show Business, it's a video series and certification that helps marketers understand how to craft a video strategy and create brand connections, you can go to wistia.com slash show dash business. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is MartechPod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J Schapp, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet, and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed.